You're listening to Arrowhead Radio. Do my prejudices influence communication of the gospel? What is my position as a Christian on mission? Is Christianity compatible with other religious expression? Is evangelism simply white colonization? Do all expressions of faith lead to the same ultimate outcome? We can boldly face the relativism that is influencing missions and overtaking the clear message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Join us as we discuss complex issues facing the local church as it serves Christ in obedience to the Great Commission. This is Mission of the Nations with host Grant Fawcett. All right, it's nighttime. We are recording a podcast. It's dark out. The lights are on. It's very lovely. And I'm here with Andrew Arden. And it's a Friday night right before the third biannual Circle Summit conference, Disentangling Syncretism. Andrew Arden and I have been friends for like a decade, mm-hmm. I think, something akin to a decade. And uh, we've had a lot of discussions over the years about theology and the Bible and the church and the parachurch and missions. And I asked Andy to come and address the issue of the exclusivity of Christianity. That is correct. At the Circle Summit. But before we talk about that, I think we need to talk a little bit about you. Okay. And why you're here and why you agreed to come to a little tiny conference and talk about that particular topic. Why you agreed to talk about it on a podcast where the international repercussions of your position could come down on your head like a load of bricks. Interesting. Uh, Yeah. I did not know that those were the terms. Well, you know, it's the internet. Yeah. Yep. It is the internet. It's a wonderful place. So you want to know a little bit about myself? Yeah. Let's let's find out about Mr. Andrew. Like, why can't we be friends anymore? We are friends. Oh, okay. Sorry. That was... We'll talk about that later. Yeah, we're, I think we're friends. Okay. Yeah. We're on Facebook, so it's official. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Um, right. I grew up, I uh, was born in Truro, Nova Scotia, and raised in Tatamagush. That's where I grew up. And came to the Christian faith at age eight. Uh, my parents left the United Church of Canada. I uh, went to the small country church, and that's where I heard the gospel for the first time. Uh, long story short... Um, in Bible school, felt a call to the ministry, uh, and then specifically pastoral ministry, and ended up pastoring the last seven and a half years at Cumberland Bay Baptist Church. I was your pastor there at the time, um, currently in between. I was your pastor too. Yes, we were elders together at the church. Yeah. Yeah. I came to that church because very close to here at Arrowhead, and all through my teen years, even some of my non-teen years, I think it was 10 at first, came here to the camp to help out. Uh, we had met some missionaries at a Bible conference who were serving with NCM, and my parents were very intrigued by the ministry, so they came here. I started doing dishes and sweeping floors and working my way up to being a cabin leader uh, and helping out. So I have a love for Arrowhead. Uh, some of those missionaries, uh, Ken and Debbie Matthews, mm-hmm. back in the day, also had kids clubs at Millbrook. I was very close to where I was going to school at the time, high school in Truro. So I'd go over and help them with their kids' clubs uh, and involved there. 
So very cool. Uh, still think it's a huge ministry. Really excited for what's going on here at Arrowhead. I mean, just see a desperate need uh, for these kind of conversations, this ministry, and this camp, uh, the center at Atlanta Camp. That's right. Yeah. Center. Uh, asterisk uh, center. Yeah. 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 Trying to uh, help the universe understand that we're trying to move this ministry into being a full bodied, serving the church kind of a ministry and not to diminish it by saying just being a summer camp. Yeah. But. So does, does that mean you don't care about summer camps anymore? No. Okay. It doesn't. It means that we want the ministries to be so full-bodied that it diminishes only by contrast. Yeah. The summer camps and that everything else will, it will just be full. And we've, we've been really excited because Marcus and Cameron, Marcus is here and mute because he doesn't talk on the podcast out of deference to shyness. I don't know. He's our sound guy. Yes. But he yeah. and his wife, lovely wife, have moved uh, mm-hmm. to Chipman and are working with us at Arrowhead. We have two um, student interns who prefer to be called apprenti, and they were introduced to our audience a couple of episodes ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've got a pretty cool team that's yep. that's growing here and the expansion of the, their... I mean, it's fun that you mentioned a kids club because they have a passion for a kids club and they yeah. have reached out to Ormocto First Nation yeah. and have been granted initial approval to do one in the gymnasium on the... yeah. Uh, community property. Uh, so that's a huge prayer request and a huge praise. Uh, that's a very exciting opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also hoping to run a retreat for the kids that came on the camp out this summer in December, a Christmas thing. Merrill's been working on that. Pretty cool things. And March break camps. And those things wouldn't have been possible before everybody joined us. So mm-hmm. yep. super stoked about all of that. One but, thing with yeah. the Circle Summit that I find particularly exciting is if I'm understanding it correctly, and I think I am, the goal is to come alongside of the church. Correct. Uh, and specifically help equip the church for indigenous missions, engagements, mm-hmm. um, and just help, help them think mm-hmm. through that in an Atlantic Canadian, and maybe even beyond Atlantic Canada context. Right. And I find that particularly helpful because there's really not much going on right now. Right. At all. Um, not only, you, you like, it's not just rather that there's a lot of stuff going on weekly. There's just, well, and I mean that like W-E-A-K, like right. not every week, but, you know, light, weak, yeah. um, fluffy stuff out there mm-hmm. that needs rejuvenation. There's just nothing. Right. Uh, I, as I'm sitting here, I'm thinking... Maybe I could count on one hand, like the work I know of going on on First Nations reservations in Atlanta, Canada, mm-hmm. currently, mm-hmm. and that's fairly historic now. Even that kids club in Millbrook, unfortunately, no longer exists. Right, uh, that I used to be a part of. Well, so we, there's we, nothing. We addressed Bare, barely anything. Barely yeah. anything. We, we yeah. addressed that with Art Wanich in the last podcast that we recorded. Is in addition to there's not a lot going on. You mentioned weekly, like as in not strong or fluffy. We see some teaching going on from denominations that's anti-biblical. Yeah. And we talked about the Roman Catholic lady that prayed to open Oasis Mm -hmm. uh, to Mother Earth. She prayed to Satan Mm -hmm. to open a Bible. And so those kinds of things create confusion and take away from gospel teaching. And so we're hoping to speak into some of that and benefit the church as well. Um, mm-hmm. This podcast is is a part of that mindset too. We want we want to be servants of the church. Yeah. Uh, in all fairness, yes. At that event, I think I was there when that lady opened up. You were. 
uh, she, she was invited to open up, but it was not understood she would be doing that. Right. But I so, did, uh, I yeah. did follow up on that. Though. Yeah. And I did call the convention office. Yes. And they did make excuse for her behavior. Yeah. yeah. Um, they did not explain or, or quantify any of it or. Yeah. There was no follow up from stage. It was acceptable from their perspective. So whether or not they knew they had an opportunity and I think an obligation to respond to that. And, uh, And I would like for us to offer an opportunity to help that kind of understanding become mm-hmm. more broad strokes. And I think Art addressed it yeah. when he said, we've got to be more biblical in yes. the way we operate our churches. You know, I think too, it's helpful to have this conversation now and have things like the Circle Summit now, because culturally in Canada, politically in Canada, we are seeing a rise in the increase of indigenous concerns. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the truth and reconciliation uh, statement that came out, um, you have what Gord Downey was doing a few years ago. Right. There, there's way more on the radar now. Even I was at the theater this week and one of the ads, cause there's like 20 minutes of ads and then 20 minutes of trailer. My favorite actually, part is yes. paying to watch commercials. Yeah. yeah. So one of the commercials was for indigenous awareness in oh, Nova wow. Scotia. So, you know, it's becoming a very prevalent hmm. conversation Yeah, and we need to consider that in light of scripture. I think there's something yeah. healthy to that because even as a missionary coming into NCEM 11 years ago mm-hmm. and moving to Arrowhead, I was completely oblivious to a lot of issues surrounding history and culture. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things we need to consider if we want to have a healthy, empathetic re- relationship with people who are hurting mm-hmm. or people who are marginalized. And we have to think rightly about it. I, when we do our staff training for our summer camps, we talk about the difference between pity and empathy. Yeah. Pity puts us on a pedestal and someone else below us and empathy puts us on the same level, but looking across at them. Yes. Yeah. And and I think that, so I think it's good to consider those things. Um, I, I think that sometimes our good intentions of wanting to honor someone else in their culture forgets everything we know about the Old and New Testament mm-hmm. and the gospel for the sake of relationship. Mm-hmm. And there's got to be a balance somewhere in there where the truth is held high yeah. and people are held high and the gospel is transmitted. Yes. Um, but I think we, we call into question things like what we're going to talk about in a few minutes, yeah. the exclusivity of Christianity for the sake of relationship or appearances or marketing um, you know, I, I was talking with Art about, I feel like sometimes we make the gospel into a product mm-hmm. and we, we, we try to sell this product and we use means to sell this product that are not biblical and that results in mm-hmm. either false conversions or non-conversions or nothing and we can't understand why. And I think it contributes to the whole conversation of syncretism. What do we do? Well, the answers are here yes. in, in scripture for us. We just have to use wisdom and discernment in order to, mm-hmm. in order to figure out what those are. Yeah. Is Marcus buying a gun again? I don't know. Okay. I there, just was... there are plenty of guns on his phone screen. Okay. Right I was now. just wondering. Sometimes yeah. he likes to buy guns when we're doing podcasting. Yeah. Well, he's, 
for Marcus. If, sake, if anybody's looking for a, a hunting, if he's looking for anyone's looking yeah. for a hunting rifle, Marcus knows how to get him. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm sorry. Go. We just I had to. Yep, you've got to be part of this with us, Marcus. Yeah, it's, it's all good. You're this, like uh, this might be getting edited out right now. No, not no. at all. Okay, no, right. you're like James right. White's buddy behind the window. What I forget what his name is, but he talks. Doesn't matter. Time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter. No, it's quite funny. Yeah. Speaking of which, since we've segued into like whatever this is, yeah, I think we need to talk about your trip here. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I. I used to work in Halifax before I was a missionary for a publishing company. And I worked with a guy whose name is, maybe we shouldn't say his name. We'll no, call him, let's let's call him Bacon. Yeah. So my buddy Bacon, yeah. uh, who worked with, and, and we've stayed in touch over the years yep. and, and he's come up to film the Circle Summit actually for us. Mm. So the whole Circle Summit is going to be available on Vimeo. So Bacon and I had an interesting relationship over the years. Uh, we have stayed in touch and hung out together and done things together. And Bacon agreed to pick up Andrew yeah. on his way here to film the Circle Summit. Yeah. And uh, and I th I think it was probably an interesting drive and you and I haven't really talked about it yet. So no, we haven't. Um, I know there was Fanta. Yeah, there grape, was grape there was pot. grape soda yeah. involved. Just one can though. Yeah, it was when soda, I yeah. used to travel with Bacon, his vehicle always smelled like feet and cheese. Yeah, did his did his car smell like feet and cheese? I actually <laughs> noticed no odor. Okay, I was told by multiple people there would be odor, but I never. He confessed that he cleaned his car before he picked you up. I. Me. He said that it was not evidenced by <laughs> the state of his vehicle <laughs> at all. Uh, but I never smelled anything, uh, had good conversation. I, I only knew Bacon as an acquaintance, so it was really good to get to know him more. Yeah. I find he's much more silly in Online. social media uh -huh. than he is in person. Bacon's a good guy. Bacon is a good and, guy. And uh, yeah. I'm really glad that you guys are both here and that you had an enjoyable trip here and that he's here to film the Circle Summit. And, and uh, yeah, so Bacon, welcome to the party. Yeah. But... Uh, yeah, they've, they've, they're playing the Atari in my office, okay. I think. No. Um, but the topic that I asked you to speak on, I think we want, we should talk about it for just a few minutes before we, you know, go, I think that's the point of the podcast, more than talking about driving here. So, well, yes. you know, people like to know stuff. Okay. I like to know stuff. Yeah. But no, I, no, no I, nonsense for me. I ask, <laughs> everything has to be serious mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. Life is about seriousness. But I asked you to speak on the exclusivity of Christianity and... I think it took you some time to realize what I was asking you, because that's always the case when I ask you yes, to speak it is. something. Yeah, I, 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 is it because you overthink or is it because I don't communicate clearly enough what I want? It's. Or is it both? It's probably a middle ground of both. I'd like to just pin this on you. Sure. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'll, I'll own it, but, um, I think you have presented a idea or maybe not idea is the right word like a you pointed me in the direction of where you wanted to go first right but there i when i looked at it when i got that email for the first time i thought well there's several paths i could take this mm -hmm. and depending on which way i take it mm -hmm. i don't know if i'm like getting closer to where you want me to speak on or if i'm just going to go on rabbit trails or miss the congruity of the other talks and the theme of the weekend and the mm -hmm. day, or if I'm completely hitting the mark. So I just want some clarity on that. So this is my, yeah. 
And I find we've talked better in person than in email. I'm just usually like that anyway. I'm more well, of an yeah. in-person person. Nobody than... understands my emails. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But and this I just, is... I don't respond half the time in text anyway. So. I know you don't. Yeah. It's because of the whole, I don't get text thing that you do, but it's Yeah, fine. yeah. Well, it's, I, I get texts. I just don't get notifications. I've gotten used to the whole thing. Yeah. But the, the reason that I don't give too much information when I ask someone to speak is because I don't want to influence them Overly. Yeah. I, I want the Holy Spirit to direct people in what they're going to share and talk about. And mm -hmm. I know a lot of people get uncomfortable because they want to know what's the other guy saying and all that kind of stuff. But I would hate it if it was me. So I get it. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I like to see what's going to come through mm -hmm. without, I don't want to tell you, I want you to talk about this specifically, but here's the topic and do your thing. And I know that that's a frustration and I wouldn't like it, but that's what I do. So, no, well, uh, it worked out actually better this time than in the past. Yeah, well, I think so. the other times it worked out fine too. Yeah. But. Well, usually because I ask for clarifying questions yeah, and we eventually it's... get to <laughs> the topic. But what I initially thought I probably would go with is where we ended up anyway. Okay. In clarity. Well, that's so. good. Perfect. Yeah. So where do we get? We... This will not air for like three months. So yeah, it's, you're going to have your talk tomorrow, but you can out yourself a little bit. I outed one of your questions in the last podcast. Oh, that's so. fine. Uh, well, maybe I'll out the whole thing by maybe asking this question, which I meant to ask you earlier today. Have you thought about just releasing the sessions as podcast episodes? I had, Yeah, I had thought about doing that. I will probably release the panel discussion as a podcast episode, Yeah, but I don't think that this particular podcast lends itself to teaching seminars. Okay. I think it, it's more intended to be this kind of a conversation that people can be a part of and the, the videos will be online. Mm -hmm. So there'll be links to that. If you are interested in watching any of them, uh, through our website, you can click on videos and it'll all be on our, our website. Sure. But that was my logic. Yeah. Well, if you change your mind. Yes. I give you permission to fully release it as a podcast episode. You, and I'll just tell people, listen to the podcast episode you know instead what? of listening to this conversation. You just reminded me that I didn't get you to sign the release form. Oh, I'll do that. After okay. That. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm speaking on the exclusivity of Christianity. I think we've mentioned that a few times yeah. already. So yeah. that, that is my talk, title, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So can we unpack that a little bit? I said that for Sean Crow. Yes. So he loves that expression. That word, unpack. Yeah. yeah. It, with the theme of the Circle Summit being disentangling syncretism, I think we have to really get back to the principle of, well, why is syncretism even a concern mm -hmm. for Christianity? Is it a concern for Christianity? Is it a concern for every religion? Um, and in some ways, I think think it is because what isn't true is what a lot of people think. A lot of people think all religions are equally true. They might be different expressions of truth or they may complement each other. They might be just different paths to peace or the afterlife, but who is to say any one of them is exclusive? I don't think that's actually fair to any religion. I was even listening to something this week, and I'm probably not going to quote it right. Um, I'm probably not. So, I, and it's not even coming to me now. So we should just edit that out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I've I've been listening to things recently, even just contrasting. If you look at the different statements of 
religion and different religions, they contradict one another. Um, you know, the, the principle of Buddhism really is at its core to be free from desires. First of all, I think that's just a completely self-defeating concept because if I, if I desire to be free from desires, that's a desire in, a, in, a, in itself, right? <laughs> I so, never thought of that. That's yeah, funny. so that's you're, you're already, you can't be a Buddhist if you want to be a Buddhist. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> and but at the same time, that's not Christianity. Christianity does not tell us to give up desire in itself. We are to give up all sinful desires. We are to run from the flesh, from sin, the devil, um, temptations to sin against God in word and thought and deed. Um, but we're also to run fully to him. As you said, the first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Those are just pregnant with the, like desire. Mm. So those two religions aren't compatible. So again, that all just comes back to say, I think really syncretism is a problem for most religions, mm. but it's especially a problem for Christianity. Mm. Uh, the reason why I believe at its core is because of the Bible and its message. God has revealed himself as an exclusive God. From Genesis to Revelation, he says over and over again, with his own mouth, his own words, by his own prophets, in his holy scriptures. And then when Jesus, God made flesh, walks on the earth, he just says the exact same thing, that he is the only salvation. God is the only hope in life and death, the only hope we have in eternity. And if we are to take any false religious practice, hold that as equal, intermingle it with Christianity, then we're functionally saying, that's not true. God is a liar. If God is a liar, we cannot really trust any of his scriptures. Uh, we cannot trust him to be exclusive. And really, we begin to wear at, do we actually have any hope of salvation? And just Christi Christianity becomes a false religion, um, a self-contradiction. Hmm. So right there, there's a lot at stake yeah. with the exclusivity of Christianity. For sure. Yeah. Um, so often we have seen small divisions within Christendom. Yep. And so this is, I guess, equivocational. Like we're going to split hairs a little bit. We might, yeah. But we, we usually do. Yeah, that's well, yeah. all right. Yeah. I mean, it's part of life. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, yeah. that's helpful, right? Like, yeah. like Splitting iron, hairs iron, is the spice of life. Yeah. yeah. I mean, iron sharpens iron. But then eventually, like, you do wander into areas of speculative theology that God has never revealed. And that goes from some points to be helpful to unhelpful. But I don't think we're there yet. No. So, but I mean, keep going. I, like, I think we identified this with art a little bit yep. in the last podcast, is that there is a direct connection between legalism and syncretism. Mm -hmm. That there are very um, direct lines between Christian liberty and redeeming of cultural things or the legalism that can be present in any number of countries, cultures, or churches yeah. that say, I'm telling you this is what identifies a Christian, but Scripture never does that for that particular thing, whatever it might be, mm -hmm. a wooden pulpit, say. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. and, and so, like, I think the conversation about syncretism is at its core... Um, 
about the obedience of the church. Yes. And the liberty of man and the teaching of the gospel and the exclusivity of Christ. Yep. At the center of everything has to be Jesus. Mm. Whether it's our testimony or our teaching or, or anything. And, and so that's, that's why I asked you to talk about this topic. Good to know. Is because of what you've sort of expressed. Yeah. Uh, at the center of this conversation is the church and obedience. And I, I might go to churches and, and, and hear questions and, and really what I think the answer to those questions are, should we, what about sweat lodges? What about the great spirit? What about all the money? Mm -hmm. The answer is the Sunday school answer. Like it's Jesus. Yeah. The answer is why are we not active functional Christians in our church and in our yeah. community? Why are our churches fighting to find people to work in youth ministries? Why are we not reaching out to our neighbors? Yeah. I, this week at prayer meeting at, I led the prayer meeting at church mm -hmm. and I don't know what I was doing. I just <laughs> was talking. It's usually the case. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's the fun way to live, Andy. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, someone passed away in this community recently mm. and there are broken relationships in this community. Yeah. And I just said, we need to minister to this person irrespective of cultural norms. And yes. so let's commit to do something, each of us yeah. from this church, Yes. from this congregation. And mm -hmm. I, do, I, I went home afterwards and I was like, I think that might've been the wrong thing to do except it was the right thing to do. Like, I think it made people uncomfortable, but I think it was supposed to, it's the way we're supposed to always respond when we hear about those things. Right. But it had just been something that occurred to me through all of this conversation, all of this. And it, there was a time in my life where I would have just thought, okay, that person's not my responsibility. And so mm -hmm. that's, that's fine. Yeah. But, but I think that we're meant to be fuller. I, I shared with them about the lady on the airplane that I didn't want to talk to as well yeah. with Marilyn Brienne. Like, yeah, I think God's trying to help me to learn that I'm supposed to be a full bodied Christian, but I think that the whole conversation about syncretism is at its core about all of us just being obedient. Yes. Actions. Every, everyday Christians. Actions have consequences mm. and the actions of the church have consequences. Um, at many different levels, mm -hmm. um, gossip and mistreatment of one another in a church uh, can impact uh, communities for generations yeah. negatively for the gospel. Right. I don't necessarily think that's syncretism. No. I, I have a fairly strict definition of it, but for sure it's anti-gospel behavior. Right. We see Jesus saying, and I think it's John 15, like, you know, they will know you are my disciples because you love one another. Mm -hmm. It's not just love for the Christians or love, or sorry, love for unbelievers, but it is specifically love for one another. It's love disciple to disciple. Mm -hmm. It's love for your brother and sister in Christ and seeing unbelievers watching how we actually work and care together as God's family that adorns the gospel of beauty. Mm. So our actions have consequences and that definitely applies when it comes to syncretism. Yeah. 
a couple of big historic examples that come to my mind of what syncretism is. Um, it's really trying to put together, I think, just things that are irreconcilable. Mm -hmm. um, and with religious syncretism, that comes to religious systems. You think of the Romans overtaking the Greek Empire. Um, they took their gods and just gave them Roman names. So the culture was just brought in. I just slapped some new labels on it, new gods, but really just the old rehashed. Yeah. Or even in some uh, cultures, I think of South America, I was reading when Catholicism came in, you know, it just became a switch of worshiping idols and animals to worshiping the saints. And there wasn't any motive uh, change, any functional change, any teaching. Just take out one object for our object. Uh, we, we know that's not the gospel, right? Uh, but it's also stupid. Yeah. You know, there, there's no teaching there. There's no explanation. And, and still in South America today, we have those ramifications hundreds of years later. Right. So the church really needs to be careful um, to think, to not rush into anything, I would say. I'm, I'm not a missionary. I'm not like a cultural engagement expert. Mm. Um, but I think we do a lot of disservice when we don't take the time to teach the Word of God, to see conversions, to see God's Holy Spirit work and change hearts uh, and enlighten the mind. Uh, when we just bulldoze in, either with our culture um, or make assumptions about their religious culture, mm. uh, we get into trouble. Right. I, an example, I also, we, we've talked about this, an example yeah. I think you've said is even with the redemption images of some cultures, right. uh, that some missionaries have gone and used those, say, oh, well, Jesus is like this thing in your culture. Right. That's redemptive. But yeah. it might not be until years later, they actually say there's a huge flaw right. in that picture, which actually doesn't portray the Christ of the Bible yeah. at its core. Right. So, Yeah, and I think we've, we, we talked about that a little bit with art, but more in a, in a cultural way and not a religious way. Um, yeah, because there's really cultural syncretism as well. Right. You know, so. And some of that is, I don't, I don't know, um, culture changes all the time and that's a whole big other conversation yeah, yeah. as far as, as you know, I, I really liked the definition that Art gave and I'm not going to be able to, um, probably remember exactly yeah. how he said it, but basically culture is just the expression of what people really believe. Yeah. That's, and, that's, and, that's and, helpful. And, and yeah, and I think that that's a really helpful thing. So I think as Christians who are teaching, we need to just be careful that we understand the things that they believe mm -hmm. so that we're not confusing the truth with the thing that they believe. Yes. I, I think we could talk about the exclusivity of Christ as it relates to syncretism with respect to our own culture reaching into itself. Like mm -hmm. the whole church growth movement. Yes. And the purpose-driven everything that had people doing pizza houses yep. and Super Bowls and... and and that kind of stuff, because I, I tried to remember who said it, but somebody said, "What you win them, oh yeah, so what you win people with is what you win them to. You win them too, yeah." And and I think that that is sort of a response to syncretism, mm -hmm. a kind of syncretism, a kind of cultural syncretism where we're trying to trick people into coming into our church simply for the sake of, and and I think it, it ignores the exclusivity of Christ. Mm -hmm. Right. I, I'm reading Exodus right mm -hmm. now in my 
personal devotions. Yeah. And I'm reading through sort of the latter part where it's all the very detailed descriptions of the tabernacle. Yes. And the very specific, and it, it got me to thinking about how specific God is when he, when he explains how he wants to be worshiped, Yeah, you know, with Cain and Abel and Ananias and Sapphira and Paul in like the Pauline epistles, this is how I want to be worshiped. Mm -hmm. And I think that it all points in towards Christ and that the cultural syncretism that we engage in that ignores the exclusivity of Christ pushes everything out towards those who are presumably seeking. And I, I think it creates the same exact problem or whatever that we're observing missiologically, only ecclesiologically. Does that seem like a reasonable sort of analysis or am I like out in left field somewhere? Well, no, I think I'll push back a little bit on it. Yeah. Um, again, we could never have a conversation and you not push back against something I said. That's, that's true. Just a reality. Yeah. So anyway, this is a normal conversation then. Yes. I think I would see syncretism more strictly than just what some might say is the seeker sensitive movement or wise or poor methodological engagements. Prosperity gospel? Can be. Okay. So I'll, I'll give two examples perhaps. Yeah. Um, I know of a church that for Easter draped a tapestry of Buddha over the cross. I know that church too. Yes. That is clear syncretism. Mm -hmm. That is taking two systems and syncing them. Right. Two different religious perspectives. I would see more of how we're reaching people as misappropriation or appropriation, depending on how you do it, of contextualization. Okay. Uh, so contextualization always happens. It has to happen, right? We're having this conversation in English for a reason. Mm -hmm. One, I don't know any other language. And you can't speak pig Latin. So. Yes. Okay. And, but also we're trying to reach an English language. Right. Um, I'm going to dress a certain way tomorrow because I know it's not culturally offensive and I'm going to give my talk tomorrow uh, in English. Um, I'm going to read from a specific translation because I find it easier to understand and teach from, mm -hmm. uh, yet also faithful to the scriptures. Uh, that, that's all contextualization. And I think syncretism is a subset of that. Okay. When we contextualize to an unhealthy point, I'm no longer, I, I wish I had my notes in front of me, but I don't. They can watch uh, the video. They can watch the video. Yeah. yeah. Or the podcast episode if it becomes one. Yeah. Contextualization, I think, is us trying to faithfully adorn the gospel to a culture and its specific context. Yeah. But syncretism is beyond that. Uh, we take the culture's religious values and bring those into scripture. Mm -hmm. So no longer are we just trying to faithfully communicate, but we're adopting. Okay. So, and holding is equal or uh, bringing in the system together. Yeah. Now, I, I think for me, what this starts to do is raise more questions than answers right away. Okay. But I think that's helpful. Yeah. So for example. And I think, say, I think I can, I think I yeah. can buy your, what you're selling. Yeah. I, I think I can be there. I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't think I disagree. What I'm saying is that the same heart that practices syncretism is also the same heart that 
does poor contextualization. Okay. Uh, so you would say then that serving bacon-flavored muffins at round tables while watching a simulcast sermon is just bad, bad contextualization and not a syncretism. Correct. I think I can buy that. Yeah. Yeah. So let's say I'm a missionary and I'm going to um, a country in the Middle East. There's different ways I can contextualize. First of all, I could just go in there in a suit and tie with the King James Bible and just speak English and hold a Western style of church service. Right. Um, in a white little square building with an organ. Um, that's doing some very specific contextualization that's completely maybe even just a subset of our culture over here and none of their culture. Right. Then we begin to move into, well, maybe I'll go over there and I speak their language, but I also take a Western model of doing church there. Right. Then maybe we go a step further. I go there, I speak their language, you know, translated the scriptures, but I'm also looking and instead of teaching them Western songs, I'm getting to know how they compose their music. And maybe even when I'm taking some of the music they sing and rewriting words to it. Mm-hmm. For me, I'm still comfortable there. Mm-hmm. Where it starts to advance in levels of contextualization, I think is where we begin to maybe like get into some secretism. Mm-hmm. What if some of those songs are very connected to spiritual practice. Right. I, I don't know of a specific example that I'm thinking of. Um, I can give a quick example. Yeah, please do, because you're, you're the missionary. And well, I'm, I'm yeah. not an expert. As yeah. Art reminded us mm-hmm. that he's not, I'm not, but I'm hoping to just have all of us come and point to truth. But anyway, this is a story I heard from yeah. one of our missionaries years ago. Mm-hmm. So if some of the details are a little skewed, I apologize. Um, this missionary said that they were visiting a community mm-hmm. as new missionaries and... They were invited to a ceremony on an island. And there was a Christian person from that community, from that culture, who was sort of their host. And they said, yeah, we're going to go to the ceremony. They want to give you a gift. It's okay to receive the gift. Mm -hmm. Then there's going to be music. But when I tell you it's time for us to go, we're leaving immediately. Don't ask any questions. Don't say anything. We're just going to leave. Yeah. So they went over to this island and they received their gifts and the music started and they were enjoying, there was dancing, there was music, they were enjoying it. There was a beating of the drum. Yeah. Someone else came along and yeah. took the place of that drummer. No way. There was not even a skip in the beat. Yeah. The, the beat was the same, but the drummer changed and their friend said, we're going, it's time to go. So yeah. the change wasn't the music or the event that was happening, yeah. but the intent behind the event changed with the new drummer. Okay. And so that was the time when they left. And so to me, that... For re- practices of religious... Right. False religion. Ceremony. Yeah. But the music... Yeah. So like... Was the same. Yeah. Yeah. So where I think you need to be sensitive in that case, like let's say there's this Middle Eastern culture where a specific intru- instrument is only ever used for religious purposes mm-hmm. um, to call their spirits to them to answer their prayers. Right. Even though we know from scripture, a drum is just a drum. Yeah. Might not be wise to use that in worship services. Right. But a different instrument or even a different style of drum. Mm -hmm. Maybe even until 
there's been good teaching. Yeah. I think that's where you get to the uncomfortable, you got to take some time to figure this out edge of syncretism is. Mm -hmm. But then you could even go a step further Mm -hmm. than that and just play that drum, have those change of drummers, just adopt that whole ceremony into the service of the church. Right. That's where I think you're clearly syncretistic. You are doing a practice to an idol, to a false god, in a service. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't see what the point is of that. And I, I think you're even going into sin yeah. at, at that point. Yeah. Um, especially if you're saying this God is true, these are legitimate practices, those spirits are here. Yeah. If you're opening up uh, religious service, um, praying to Mother Earth in the four corners, uh, that that is inviting other gods that do not exist. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly syncretistic. Mm-hmm. And we can't do that. Right. Because God doesn't do that. Right. The first commandment of the ten, you shall have no other gods before me. That does not mean I'm first place, but you can have 80 million others, but as long as they're behind me. Yeah. No, it's exclusive. There are no other gods. No other gods before me, no other gods even in my presence, because I'm the only one. That that really indicates for us the jealousy of God, that he desires all of our affections. He desires all of our hearts, all of our life, um, all of our worship. If we were to, for a moment, give our affection to another, what we're not giving God what he deserves. And we might think it's crazy for God to say that. Because if I talk like that, you grant, I want you to love me with all of your affections and all your hearts. Give your whole life to me. Devote your, your life to my sake. You know, you're not compelled by that in a moment because you know who I am mm-hmm. and we know other people. Other people are just, you know, meat bags of sin. You know, there's, there's, there's no, that's, we, we just see that person as being fully self-centered and stupid. Why isn't that God? Mm. If God is the supreme best, if he is our only option, he has to point us to himself and share none of his glory. If God is worshiping another or say there's another character here who's equal to me, or is also another legi- legitimate option, he's no longer God. Mm-hmm. He, he's no longer best. Hmm. Um, if we don't have an exclusive God, we don't have God. We don't have hope. Hmm. Uh, so there's a lot at stake there with syncretism. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge conversation. Yeah. And I'm glad that we're talking into it at its core. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've talked about some examples and we've talked about some different situational ethics with respect to it. And I think that there is some liberty mm-hmm. um, with respect to how it all happens. But with respect to, you, you alluded to it a little bit. Yeah. So I'm kind of drawing us back into it again. Yeah, let's, let's, Re- let's go back if we need to clarify but, something. Yeah. But what role does the whole idea of not offending the weaker brother or eating meat given to idols play in this conversation? Yeah. Right. There might be something yeah. that I have liberty to use, mm-hmm. say the drum, the, yeah. the native drum. And as a, as a Christian person who didn't grow up as a first nations person, I can hear first nations music and it means nothing to me other than it's quite beautiful. Yes. Um, but, but there are people that are offended yeah. by that. So you know, living within the principles of the New Testament and con- being concerned about unbelievers and weaker Christians, where does that fall into this conversation? Mm. Where does that liberty take us, do you think? Or did I just slam you with something you haven't thought about? 
I thought about it a little bit. Um, the meat being offered to idols is an interesting case. Mm-hmm. We see Paul um, in Romans and First Corinthians, you know, warning people to be careful about this consumption of meat that's been offered to idols. Mm-hmm. Especially in Corinthians, that's the context. Um, right. So there was this meat yeah. that was offered um, on these altars to false gods. Mm-hmm. Uh, that meat would remain there until the next day yeah. because those gods were dead yeah. and are not true. Yeah. So those, that meat could be purchased at a discount. Mm-hmm. They had the superstore 50% off stickers <laughs> on them, so to speak. Sketchy gray meat. Yes. Best way to barbecue. Yes. Yeah. And so some people are like, sweet, cheap meat. I'm going to eat that because... Um, it's cheap meat and those idols are dead. Right. There's nothing going on here. Yeah. But, I, t- I, but that was blowing the minds of other believers, especially new believers. Right. So Paul says, don't put that meat in front of them to offend them. Right. You know, until they're taught, until they, they, they know better, um, don't cause your brother to stumble. These weak ones, these little ones. I, I think we have to be careful with that. Oftentimes I see the conversation being we have someone who's an old, mature Christian that wants to impose something on another mature Christian. Right. Then we move into legalism. And they say, basically, with their argumentation, I'm a weaker brother. Yeah. You're offending me as a weaker brother. And so they're almost professing that their relationship is toxic with Jesus. I mean, music is my thing. I, I enjoy music. I enjoy a broad range of music. I've mentioned before that I like to collect records and if anyone out there is trying to get rid of records, they could talk yep. to me about that. But I, I like music and I've, I've had conversations with people about music with respect to specific genre. Mm-hmm. Rap or rock and roll or heavy metal is meat given to idols. Yeah. Satan had that music and so we can't have it anymore. Yeah. And I feel like that that's not true, but at certain levels, I don't want to offend yeah. those people. So I might not listen to it in the car with them. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, right. that, that's totally fair. Yeah, we, do, we don't want to be needlessly offensive and we don't want our, our brothers and sisters at all to ever go against their conscience. Right. Um, the end of Romans 14 says, whatever is not of conscience is sin. I right. think uh, my paraphrase. What One little personal example I think of is when I was on a missions trip, uh, a friend and I, uh, we went pitched in and bought this small, like maybe the size of my thumb, little statue of Buddha. We thought he was funny, he was shirtless, he was fat, and we just had this agreement. Whenever down the road we would see each other, we would exchange that boot. <laughs> so it would be in one of our keeping for a while, and then one for a little while. And <laughs> That's ridiculous. She, yeah, she and I did that back and forth just as something completely fun yeah. with an object. Yeah. In my mind, that object could have been a dice. Right. And carry the same intrinsic value. There may be people listening to the po- this podcast episode that... Just wrote you off. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I hope we would have charity with one another. Right. And perhaps I'm wrong there. You know, perhaps I'm conveying something that shouldn't have been conveyed. I'm willing to change there. But I think it was just a personal interaction with one believer. This th- this wasn't happening publicly and openly. Right. You know, we were just uh, privately both okay with it, so we did it. Yeah. Um, but anybody who's listening to that that would find that offensive and wouldn't want to associate with a Buddha... Uh, don't do that. Right. Yeah, at all. And, and definitely do not worship one because then you're an idolater. Right. So, and, and that's the thing too. So coming back to that and to the meat offered to idols conversation, mm-hmm. Paul says, you know, you each have to decide here what to do. But at the same time, he's not bringing in that practice into the church. We don't have any precedent for that. 
how we have, you know, the Lord's Supper as a New Testament meal, but we never see, well, let's lay meat on the table like these people do to the false gods. Right. Let, let's incorporate that practice into our service. Yeah. I think we're generally the safest if we think what has God clearly revealed in his word for the church to do corporately together mm-hmm. and stay faithful to that. Right. I, I, not just what can we get away with before we're sinning. Right. I, I think that's, people would say that's the former that I described is the regulative principle. Okay. That scripture regulates how we worship. Yeah. Now people come down differently on that. Some right. people would say we don't have instruments because they didn't, or maybe only instruments they had in the Bible, or we only sing songs well, because those good, are the only songs we have there. We've got good Christian brothers yeah. who believe that. Yeah. yeah. And, and so there we have, again, we're not in syncretism anymore. We're in contextualization. Right. Um, and we might contextualize by playing electric guitar or singing a cappella. Right. Um, and only singing psalms or singing a variety of modern music and ancient hymns um, and maybe psalms. I think um, MIDI soundtracks are syncretism. I'm just going to write that in there right now. All right. They're, they're just... That's your opinion. It has, yeah. to, be, it has to be good yeah. if it's going to be contextualization. Yeah. We, like, we, want to, <laughs> we want to do all things well. We yeah. want to be faithful to the Lord, but we also want to communicate with the audience in a way they understand right. that points them to Christ Yeah. Um, and is undistracting. Are we ever going to hit that all the time? No. Right. Well, that, that should be our aim. Well, so. that's, I mean, that's the life of the Christian, right? Yeah. We're not going to never sin, yeah. Uh, but my response to that is what, what matters. And I think it's the same when it comes to worship and evangelism. I think one of, the, one of the worst responses that I can see, and I've seen it before, is when someone starts critically thinking about how you share the gospel. Yeah. And their response is, well, I haven't done it that way, and so you're hateful. Yeah. Well, wait a second. Maybe God still used you, but maybe we can do it better together. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, but that can be a response, right? Yeah. So uh, I'm thinking of a conversation I recently heard where somebody was bringing this up and one person just said, well, I like his way of doing it poorly than your way of not doing it at all. And yeah, which I think was a bit of a slap in the face to at least he's doing something. (sighs) Slap in the face. That's a backhanded something. something. Yeah. So. Wow. And and so there's a lot of Christians out there yeah. who don't evangelize. And then there's a lot of Christians out there who just haven't thought about it well and are doing it poorly. Right. I don't think they're intentionally misleading. Right. But maybe they've only been taught one system. Maybe they're new in their faith. Right. You know, I remember like a faithful Bible teacher saying like when he was first saved, he would evangelize his friends. Like, man, you need the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. He's like the force in Star Wars. <laughs> right. That guy was like totally incorrect. Right. But he didn't know any better. At the right. time. He was just figuring that out himself, but he loved Jesus. Right. Now I'm not saying go around to help people the force. Right. But while we're, none of us are perfect, we always should aim for being more faithful. And accurate. Yeah. And, and I'm somewhat thankful for those who are doing things even though they're not thought out well. Right. We got to be patient because I was that person one day and I probably still am in many ways. Right. So. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I, I'm going to segue a little bit, but yeah. I don't know why we feel like we can't all be theologians. Yeah. There seems to be an attitude in the church that the pastor has to be a theologian, maybe the deacons, or if you have elders, Yeah. but definitely not me. Yeah. And I feel like 
there's got to be a way that we can inspire Christians to stop going to the Christian bookstore just for mugs, mm-hmm. right? There are good resources that you can read that will challenge your thinking, that will point you to Christ, and will make you more equipped to answer some of these questions. And honestly, if we aren't as a church body corporate going to start making ourselves into theologians, we're never going to do any of this stuff well. Yeah. None of us. It'll just be a mess all the time. Yeah. To complement and wrap up your segue, I, I two reasons I quickly think of why probably that doesn't happen. So one, theology is hard work, and so some people just don't want to put in the work. Aww. But also, there's a lot of theologians who are jerks. You well, know? that's yeah, true. Right? Like, like if you ever want to be beat up, you know, disagree with a Calvinist on Facebook. Right. You know, and that's very unfortunate. It is. Those who are the deepest theologians should be the most humble. Right. Um, and I think if we have more humble theologians, we just see more theologians in general. Yeah. You know, the Bible says knowledge puffs up, and that's unfortunately true. Yeah. See, when you yeah. said to compliment, I thought you were going to say something nice about me, but then I feel like you just told me I was puffed up. So no, not at all. I'm not, I'm not that's, necessarily that's thinking a, of you in those moments. That's a great way for us to finish. Thanks, Andy. Well, we don't need to finish. No, I'm just There's two, <laughs> two, two examples I think are helpful um, that come to my mind from the New Testament, showing us pictures of navigating culture and other religious perspectives well is from the missionary work of Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, first in chapter 14 of Acts, when he and his partner, I think it's Barnabas at the time, go to Lystra, there they end up, after healing somebody, being worshipped as, I think, Zeus and Apollos. Hmm. What a syncretist might do there is say, well, yes, and under Zeus and Apollos' authority, let's also tell you about Jesus. Hmm. Or here's another option. Or, or even today, many people would say, well, you can believe in Zeus and Apollos, and that's great. You know, we all have our different paths now. Let's just coexist together. Mm-hmm. But that's not what Paul does. Uh, Paul begs and pleads and teaches these people, stop calling us this. Mm-hmm. Stop making these sacrifices you're about to make to us. We are just mere men, but we know the God of all creation, and we need to tell you about him. Mm. And then we have later in Acts in Mars Hill. Right. Paul looks at a culture, he goes through Athens and sees all these monuments to all the gods. He says the unknown God, and then he speaks into that, the truth. I know that God you don't know. And this is who he is as he has revealed himself in the scriptures and clearly points them to Christ. He even goes to the spot in the city where there is the exchange of thought. Right? So Paul is contextualizing, mm-hmm. but never in a way that adds other gods and other religious beliefs to the scriptures, to the Christian faith, to pollute it. Yeah. Even he's contextualizing quite a bit in his early ministry. First time he ever preaches in most towns is in the synagogue. You know, it's a Jewish place of worship, but he's in there proclaiming Christ, right. not proclaiming Old Testament apart from Christ. Mm-hmm. So it's it beautiful, but it also shows it's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, you know, I, there's probably a million different specifics that missionaries will need to think of. Right. But I think about it in light of scripture, yep. in light of understanding culture. Mm-hmm. And I also think through the teaching of the gospel, listening to mature believers that are raised in that culture will help better inform where syncretism is and isn't yeah. taking place. Discernment. Discernment. And prayer. Yeah, and yeah. prayer and the spirit. You know, it's huge. Yeah, absolutely. I think yeah. I really hope that conversations like the one that we've had 
um, and conferences like the one we're hosting are going to benefit the church by helping Christians to think critically about some of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we like to come to these things and we like to talk about things and then never apply anything. And one of the values we have at Arrowhead is to serve the church. And this is how we're trying to do it yeah. is to start thinking about some of these things together. And, and so we want to be a resource. Um, but thank you for talking for, I don't know how long. A uh, while. A while. Yep. Um, about these things and, uh, and sharing with us in a podcast and look forward to hearing from all of you guys tomorrow at the Circle Summit. Yeah, it'll be good. It'll be another good podcast episode or video if you do that. Yeah. And I'm very glad uh, to be here with you, Grant and you, Marcus. Thank you. Awesome. Ciao. This has been a broadcast of Arrowhead Radio, a ministry of Arrowhead Native Bible Center. You can follow us on Twitter at ANBC underscore NCEM. Look for a new episode next week wherever you find your favorite podcasts.